Tonight's story begins with a 72-year-old man. 72-year-old man who received a word from God. He was a successful man. He was uh, what we now call a, a Bedouin, keeper of camels, part of the wandering people of the Middle East. By today's measurements, he would be a millionaire, a very successful man, living in what is now called Iraq. Startling for this man to receive a word from God because he was a pagan. His dad was a pagan. Everything to them was secular. Everything was about control and power and materialism and prosperity. That was all that mattered to them. More camels, more camels. And then out of and in all of that, God speaks. And this 72-year-old man leaves everything, finds his wife, his nephew, they climb on some camels, and they head southwest to a place we now know uh, as Palestine, headed to a place where he didn't know where he was going. His name was Abraham, 72 years of age, and God said to him, and I read it to you now from Genesis 12 and verse number two, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I want you to try to wrap your heads around this a little bit. Here's a secular man who did not believe in God, and God speaks to him and says, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And his response is, well, I better find the camels and get moving. Immediate response to the voice of God. Genesis 12 and verse 7 the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Lord has plans for Abraham. Genesis 17 and verse number eight. I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God put his hand on a secular pagan man and called him to Palestine and said, I'm going to make a great nation of you. Family tree at the start is pretty simple. His father's name was Terah. Dad is Abraham. That's all we've been introduced to so far. And Dad's wife was, was Sarah. Fast forward 14 years. We're going to have to fast forward 14 years twice tonight, but fast forward eight, 14 years. 
And there's this promise that, uh, back off that slide just for a second. There's this promise that uh, Abraham and Sarah were gonna have children. How else can you have a great nation? And yet there's no child yet. So Sarah came up with an idea. She said, Abraham, we got this slave girl here, Hagar. Um, why don't we, why don't we kind of help God fulfill his promise here and why don't you go uh, sleep with her? Abraham thought about it and went along with the idea and Hagar conceived and out of that was the guy born who we're talking about tonight, Ishmael. So add what happened here now. Abraham uh, is joined by Hagar, who's really just a servant in the house. And out of that is born, and on the screen he's called me, because that's who we're talking about tonight, Ishmael. Uh, Ishmael is born. Genesis 16 and verse number 16. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. So he arrived in Palestine or left Iraq when he was 72, 14 years later. Uh, Ishmael is born to Hagar. Now, fast forward again for another 14 years. Genesis 17, 15 to 18, we read this. God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah uh, shall be her name. I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, she's 90, God. I'm 100, she's 90. Get this straight here, 190. Sarah is 90 years old. She's going to bear a child? Abraham said to God, uh, let's just let Ishmael live before you. He says, let's, let's, let's forget your plan, God. We, we got enough going here. Well, let Ishmael be the guy. Let Ishmael be the guy. story continues. Genesis 17, verse 19, God said, no. That's not, you, you already followed your own plan once. We're going to go with my plan. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. And you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring 
after him. Enough of what you want, Abraham, enough of your own plans. We're doing it my way. No, Abraham. Promise is going to be through Sarah, and you shall call his name Isaac. Isaac is born a year later. Now we've got a problem. Actually, Earth has a problem now, and uh, it's affecting us today. Genesis 17 and verse number 20. The angel of the Lord said to her, I will surely, oh sorry, as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Uh, Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes and I will make him into a great man. Huh, so we got a problem here. Isaac is going to have offspring. Ishmael's going to have offspring. There's going to be a great nation there. Chapter 17 and verse number 21. Let's read it. I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. There is a problem coming here. There's a huge problem coming here. Genesis 25 and verse number 18. Genesis 25 and verse 18, is that coming up? If not, I'll just read it to you. Genesis 25. They settled from Havilah to Shur, which is opposite Egypt in the direction of Syria. He settled there over against all his kinsmen. Uh, Verse number 18, settled there with all of his kinsmen. And now if we go down that chapter uh, just a little bit, we discover that uh, there's some real problems ahead of us. Come, we get to uh, the point where now let's go backwards here a little bit and let's dig into uh, into the family tree a little bit more. Uh, now let's go back. Just go there. Show me the next slide. There. Oh, okay. Well, let's read that one then. <laughs> Come, let us sell them to the Ishmaelites. So this, this, so the reason I've got this up here, uh, Ishmael becomes a very prominent. Uh, group of people. So when Joseph is being sold, Joseph is being sold, uh, who is it that buys them? The Ishmaelites. So we've got Joseph, who's an Israelite, being sold to the Ishmaelites, the two major people groups now in Palestine, in Canaan, are the Israelites and the Ishmaelites. It's uh, really, really, really a challenging uh, time. Genesis uh, 
chapter 12 and verse number 20. Let me get this, uh, get this out for you here. Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 20. No, that's not the verse I want. 12, verse number two, sorry. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. Genesis 12, verse two. So what's God gonna do? He's going to make out of his promise a great nation. That was God's plan. But what happened here? What happened? God's plan is a singular great nation. One great nation. Abraham takes it under, under his own hands. And what happens? Now we've got two great nations. One as a result of Abraham and Sarah taking it into their own hands and the other uh, coming uh, out of God's plan. And what has been happening ever since in history? What's been happening? The nations have been battling one another. You look on that map and uh, right where that little darkest red spot is, is uh, that's actually the West Bank, but Jerusalem is there. Israel's this little country, and it is surrounded, it is surrounded by all of these countries that are rooted in the Ishmaelites. So the Ishmaelites, surround the nation of, of Israel. So let's uh, just see what all of that uh, looks like. Uh, DNA, so DNA research uh, confirms that the Jewish folks and, and the Arabs are actually related. They share a common heritage conferred, uh, if a common heritage conferred peace, then perhaps the long history of conflict in the Middle East would have been resolved years ago. For according to a new scientific study, Jews are the genetic brothers of Palestinians, Syrians, and Lebanese, and they all share a common genetic lineage that stretches back thousands of years. Science Daily, New York University Medical Center and School of Medicine. Now, shock. In an age where there is so much confusion and people don't recognize the truth, guess what New York University Medical Center and School of Medicine discovers? Huh! They actually share some relatives. You know what they share? They share a dad who's a great-great-great-great-grandfather right now, multiplied many times over. Uh, we had the privilege of going on our last trip to Israel to uh, Jordan, and when we were in Jordan, we were in Petra. When we were in Petra, uh, we took this picture, which is the face 
of what is called Al-Khazne. Uh, and they're the people who are on the trip, nice and small, so uh, look at it, get up there real close, ask the PowerPoint people to, if you can stand on the stage, but the, uh, and figure out who went on the trip. But here, here is what you need to understand. Uh, the Nabateens, or Nabateens, built Petra. You know who the Nabateens are? They're the descendants of Ishmael's first son. Everything that is happening in the Middle East is happening between two groups of people, the Ishmaelites and the Israelites. The Ishmaelites and the Israelites. So what's the family tree look like? Well, uh, Isaac is born, and Isaac marries a sweetheart named Rebecca. And Rebecca has twins. Uh, uh, Esau and Jacob, they are nephews of Ishmael. And God promises Jacob, and he has it, named, renamed Israel, 12 sons. Well, the enemy is always mimicking what God's doing. Guess how many sons Ishmael has? 12 sons. <laughs> They're listed in your Bible. You can make that your assignment to find the list tonight. Uh, and these 12 tribes of Ishmael have been fighting the tribes of Israel particularly for the last 2,000 years. There was a time in Israel's history where it was in, often in history is referred to as greater Israel, and greater Israel has kings like King Solomon, King David. Uh, it's a pretty established place. Then the Romans take over uh, that uh, last century before the Christian era, uh, Romans are leading Palestine when Jesus was around. After Jesus is crucified, the Jews are scattered and the Arabs moved in. The Israelites leave and the Ishmaelites move in. 570 AD, uh, Muhammad was born. And uh, not while he was alive, but really most of this happened after he died, but uh, the Islam religion was established and there are exceptions to this, of course, but uh, the Islam religion is the major religion of the Arab people. And it continued to be under the control of the uh, Ishmaelites until 1947 when after uh, the Second World War, Israel gained control in what is called the War of 1947 and 48. Uh, 1967, Israel captured the Gaza Strip from Egypt and the West Bank from Jordan in the Six Day War. It's amazing when you look back on your childhood and the vast majority of it you can't remember. Do you all agree with that? 
It's a bit of a blur. But I remember the midweek night, Tuesday night, Calgary, Alberta, mom and dad coming home from prayer meeting, and all they could talk about was the end is here because now uh, Israel has control of all of Palestine. They have the Gaza Strip, and uh, they have the West Bank. So things are going that way pretty well. Uh, in 2005, the Knesset decided, uh, just hold off on that last click, sorry. In 2005, the Knesset decided to get out of uh, Gaza and let the Arabs control it. Uh, and in 2006, they elected the Hamas, Hamas as a government. They are a democratically elected group of militant Arabs. Uh, now moving forward to the story that we know so well and has been in the news every night. October 7th, 2023, Hamas launched an unprecedented, multifaceted, uh, sustained assault on Israel from the Gaza Strip. 1,200 to 1,400 Israelis and foreign nationals were killed. 30 times more uh, based on population than were killed in the attacks of 9-11 in North America, and you know how upset the Americans were by the loss they had. 30 times more in terms of population. And the war goes on. And it's all rooted in God's plan being diverted from building one nation to having, all of a sudden it became plural, nations in the promised land. I think the lesson more than anything from Ishmael's life is friends be very, very careful of trying to help God out. It's not going the way I want it to go, so I'm going to. Any of you ever done anything like that? I'm going to. And then you get back, or fast, you look back on your life 10 years later, 12 years later, 14 years later, 30 years later, whatever, and you recognize the trajectory of your life changed because you took things into your own hands. Trust God's promises, friends. And even if you have to wait 14 years or 28 years for them to come to take place, rest and be assured of this. If God has said it, if God has promised it, it will come to pass. Rest in that. Abraham didn't rest. Sarah didn't rest. And uh, look at where the world is today. So what do we take home from this? What's ahead? Well, the first thing we all need to be aware of is there will be terrible conflict in, for, in Israel during the end times. What you're reading on the news 
seeing on the nose, in the nose, seeing on the nose, is not going to decrease over time. There may be periods of still quietness and peace, but there's going to be this terrible battle in the land of Palestine and the land of Israel because my daddy was born before your daddy, so we have a right to this place. So it's a it's family feud. My daddy was born first, so we're going to get this land. We read we we read in the book of Revelation, Matthew, Luke about the tribulation and the great tribulation. The prophet Jeremiah describes the tribulation this way. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse number seven. Alas, that day is so great, there's none like it. It's a time of distress for Jacob, yet he shall be saved out of it. (laughs) This end time, tribulation period, Jeremiah the prophet describes as a time of distress for Jacob. Israel has some difficult times ahead of it. And the world is going to see it and what we need to be expecting to happen. And some will argue we won't be here. I'm not here to discuss that tonight. I'm just telling you what's on the timeline. Number two, the Antichrist will sign a seven-year peace agreement with Israel. It's going to get so terrible over there, this hero's going to show up and he's going to sign an agreement for seven years of peace for the Israelites, for the nation of Israel, for the descendants of Israel. We uh, read in Daniel chapter seven, verse nine, verse 27. Those verses are up there for your reference. I'm not taking time to read all of them, but the Antichrist will make a strong covenant with many for one week. And so one week is seven years. And for half of the week, you shall put an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abomination shall come one who who will make desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. Well, that's a twist of words. But that said, what he's saying there is there's this one-year agreement, halfway through it, three-and-a-half-year point, uh, he completely flips and says, I'm not going to stick to the agreement. So point number three, Antichrist will break his covenant with Israel resulting in unprecedented persecution of Israel. That's what's ahead for the world. But it's all rooted, friends, in the Ishmaelites and the Israelites. And it's all rooted in not just resting in the fact that if God said it, he's gonna do it and resting in it. So what should our response to all of this be? Well, first of all, I wanna read to you uh, what Jesus had to say in Matthew. Matthew chapter 24, four to six. Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. There's difficult times ahead for this world, friends. Many will come in my name saying I'm the Christ. They will lead many astray. You will hear wars and rumors of wars. 
See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. So just because you're hearing a bunch of wars are happening, what does Jesus say to us here? The end is not yet. Uh, The end is not yet. Um, Israel's been in a lot of wars defended itself a lot of times. The wars aren't the indication that the end is here. So let's not run around and say that, uh, yeah, it's world probably only has a week because there's wars. Uh, there's some other stuff on the prophetic timeline that takes, takes place before the restoration of all things. The days that are ahead for this earth are not going to be easy. And friends, these are times for the church of Jesus Christ to walk in a unity and a commitment to one another through thick and thin like we've never had before because we're going to need each other like we've never needed each other before. This is the time to be making friends and getting in relationships and having people who will uh, make sure you've got food in your house when you don't have any and make sure you've got people who will pray with you and cry with you in the difficulties of life. There's difficult days ahead, friends. We need to be sticking together And friends, we need to get into the word and get rooted and established in the word of God. Deeply established in the word of God. And then this morning, you're tired of hearing this. Well, you only got four more months to have to listen to me, but uh, I was on my walk this morning. And I'm on my walk And I read Philippians chapter 4. And this is what I read. So this is my second piece of advice. (laughs) Don't run around telling everybody that uh, Jesus is coming back this week. He might. You better be ready. But uh, wars are not a sign of the, are not the big sign of the end. Then I read this, Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. Almost every day I read, there's something that hits me. Let everyone see that you are gentle and kind. The Lord is coming soon. And in a world that is going crazy, and finding ways to disagree and fight about everything. What do we do? We go out and amongst, and we are the people who are gentle and kind. We need to be marked by a gentleness and kindness in the midst of all the troubles and all the storms.